Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that disappears without warning at the height of our powers and then reappears when you least expect it with virtually no time seeming to have passed. Um, kind of like at the gates, but you know, much, much more fabulous. And uh, <laughs> without that rather good album, uh, uh, Matt might have recorded something and not told me, but I don't know. Um, this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with NotFest. I'm Tom Dare, and as you can probably tell, Matt's not here still. Um, get well soon, Matt. Uh, unfortunately, I've not been very well either, and combine that with a veterinary emergency and a bunch of you know, drama away from the pod, and all of a sudden the getting together to chat about music and campery for an hour a week has, has not been the highest priority. We're very sorry about that. We can try and get things back on track as soon as possible. Um, this week is going to be a slightly funny one in that uh, because we don't have Matt and because I'm not entirely sure what my availability was like either getting stuff organised has been a bit strange. We do, though, have two quite fun things. Uh, later we can have a HCGBs, uh, which unfortunately was recorded a couple of weeks ago now uh, because at, at the time I was um, hoping to have an episode out that week and then was ill and so couldn't. Um, so that's... If, if it sounds like we're talking about stuff that didn't come out all that recently, well, that's why. Um, but first, we're going to hear from a musician in a band we've heard from before. Not the musician, the band. Some of you re- may remember that uh, Elle and Claire from the band Mountain Caller joined us a while back uh, to talk about their experiences of being out in metal. Uh, and I described them at the time as a majority queer band, because as far as I knew, they were a majority queer band. What I didn't realise was that they were a wholly queer band because the other member at that time was not very public about it. They did, though, message me after the fact to say, just to let you know, that isn't necessarily accurate. It's like that scene in Independence Day where the president insisted that there is no Area 51 at all. Uh, then the um, Secretary of Defence says, Mr. President, that's not entirely accurate in the most nasal voice you've ever heard outside of someone in a sci-fi film who's you know wearing a prosthesis over their nose and so literally can't talk through it. Um, anyway, I said at some point, we, would you like to come on? And uh, as time's gone on, I've kind of been more aware that we should make that happen. So I got in touch with Max, who is the drummer in Mountain Caller, and we had a chat. Hello, I'm Max. I play drums in Mountain Caller. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I am pansexual. And what's your experience of being out in the scene? I'm aware that is a slightly interesting question in your case. Yeah, uh, it's um, pretty new, pretty nascent, actually. Um, yeah, the last sort of year or so has been quite, um, quite affirming and quite transformative in terms of how i approach my queer identity um so yeah can i tell can i talk about the little misunderstanding yeah we had? do it like yeah so um ellen claire uh my bandmates and absolute ride or die loves um they were on the show last year at some point uh and i listened back to it actually and i think um all it was was just that we were talked about as a majority queer band and I think Ellen Claire knew that I wasn't really sure 
what I am in terms of straightness. Um, so I, I just that yeah, don't think they, um, I d they didn't want to speak sort of out of turn for me, um, and I didn't really think I minded people assuming I was straight. Um, I didn't really think I cared what people thought uh, until then, and it kind of yeah it it disconcerted me somehow and uh to the point where i was like well, why is this kind of pushed such a button um because yeah i think i it was assumed that i am uh, that i'm straight uh which that there was no reason to believe otherwise for for you but i think i was kind of uh still struggling with a bit of imposter syndrome basically sort of pan uh, and by sort of not being properly queer imposter syndrome uh so there was a touch of the the old there's a long history of particularly gay men kind of gatekeeping the queer um yeah. community a little bit and saying well if you're you know not actually currently shagging someone of the same sex can you really call yourself queer and you know particularly if you're cis yeah which those people can fuck off absolutely um i think uh because ellen claire are lesbians and they've been out for years and years and you know they have lots of experience um as be of being out uh i i think i felt like i was just going like oh can i join in i don't want to be left out um, of being queer, which as soon as I voiced that, I was like, that's, well, that's just not true, is it? That's completely, <laughs> that's completely insane. No one's going to think that. Um, and so I reached out to you and I reached out to Ellen Claire and chatted about it. And obviously you were lovely and really affirmative. And, and so were they, um, Claire in particular said, uh, like, I remember going to prides back when I was younger and feeling really not welcome because I'm a woman and, you know, lesbians aren't proper queer. And that made me really realize like, okay, this is, yeah, this is all, this is all in my head really. I mean, it is, it's, you know, it's all in my head in that they're not, they're not thinking that, you know, my two friends aren't thinking that you weren't thinking that I'm just sort of, uh, sort of pretending, which yeah. Um, so ever since then like the year since uh well i mean i found that a really kind of affirmative experience um and i felt a lot more comfortable identifying as queer since then um so you know pride months come around um and i remember it being really nice feeling like that was for me for the first time in my life and even just walking around and seeing pride flags and stuff uh i now feel a little I, I i feel more welcome um and i feel supported and that's a really nice feeling feel less of an outsider more less of an outsider more of a a participant yeah more embraced yeah yeah absolutely um i feel more part of it and more just yeah more just confident in well in in that that is my sexuality um yeah so i'm guessing it's not something then that's come up in many 
context within music at all because if you've if it's a comparatively recent thing to to be out on most of your kind of your journey has kind of been in a slightly more closed circle it's something you're still in a way you've got a lot of those experiences to come of where your kind of your music side and your queer side might intersect in some way yeah i think so um uh, definitely the uh, yeah i'm aware of experiences that lots of people have that i haven't had yet that um I think was another thing that made me feel a little bit uh, like it was not my place to talk on queer subjects. Um, which again, I think uh, as I talk about these things, I can hear so much of um, sort of uh, latent homophobia from the more general um, discourse about queer culture. I'm qu I'm quite clear that the, you know, the 14 year old who's only just figured themselves out is as queer as someone who is 60 and has been married to a man for as long as it's been legal and has you know been on all the kind of was on the the famous um uh pride march which the miners turned up to in the 80s right those two people are as queer as each other and while you know this is an over 18s podcast because we talk about sex and swear a lot so you know some say sanity there is is needed but you know those two people are equally queer it's it's not that one's more than the other and i i'm always really conscious that it's important that we kind of that we have both ends of the spectrum well as as kind of as broad a, a range as it is responsible to to present and i think that it is there is an awful lot of kind of because in a way it's kind of i'm I'm not exactly jealous, but it's, I can kind of, uh, I'm, it's quite an exciting time being out at the early stage because all of a sudden a load of things have opened up to you that were closed mm. off. Is, is it something that you've kind of, because my memory has it been quite exciting, but is, it, is that what your finger is? It's still the kind of the slightly scary stage. Um, yeah, it, it is a little bit of both, definitely. Um it has been really nice in that, you know, I, I've had, well, yeah, I, I did a little post on pride um, about being pansexual. And I think people took it as a kind of coming out post, which that's not how I meant it. But I, yeah, I guess people just didn't know beforehand. Um, and it was really nice to have, you know, I had a lot of messages as, um, of support from people and, yeah the the overwhelming response was just really supportive and lovely um uh, there are a couple of comments like uh people saying oh you're too good a musician i don't care about um i don't care about your sexuality which yeah i uh i think on the surface i can see why they'd think that was supportive but then i was like well no i don't need to compensate for my sexuality by um by being a good musician um no, quite it's not like it's not something that is you know a negative that you have to kind of pinch your nose and tolerate it's yeah exactly it's not like um, that but yeah um i mean my girlfriend is bi as well uh and she's not she's not hugely experienced either um so we've discussed together the idea of going to like um 
well going to gay clubs and gay bars because that's something i've i've never done um i have no idea how it feels to do that kind of thing i've never even been to a pride either like um so we're very keen to you know kind of explore that stuff on the kind of the the bars thing and pride thing there is i perhaps won't spoil it too much for you but what i found was that it was a very um what's the expression it was an unusual experience of being able to totally let my guard down in certain regards and that you can you can kind of the things that you go maybe you should not do that in public mm. and particularly if you've got kind of things that you will wear make you look a bit gay which i do um they're the you can say fuck it i can do it mm. and i don't mean like grabbing a guy and trying to suck his face off because yeah that does make you look a bit gay i'm talking more like hand gestures or body postures yeah yeah um I mean, I, yeah, in terms of body language and stuff, I I am really, I have very little control over my, my body right. language. So I think, yeah, I think that's just something I have to deal with is, um, yeah, but I'm aware that I do have some very camp hand gestures. I have a camp little like, um, like I put my hand on my hip all the time, um, like a... So, so it's kind of the Minnie Mouse pose. Yeah, the Minnie Mouse pose. I think the kind of the the obvious question then is, do you feel quite confident from what you've experienced that actually this kind of the, the space you're moving into is one where you will be safe and accepted, or do the kind of the comments of oh you're too good a musician I don't mind, which by the way I totally get what you mean there. Yeah. Um, are you kind of concerned that that might be hiding some? things some slightly choppier water you might have to navigate at some point uh yeah i'd say so uh my immediate friendship group um i mean for it uh firstly mountain caller is obviously a very safe very encouraging space uh that i can talk about this stuff in uh and that's a really lovely welcoming space uh, my girlfriend's also very yeah very fine with it and very comfortable talking about it and same with my housemates um i think yeah and then you know my family is a weird one i think uh we're very my background is very middle class very polite very not wanting to offend anyone so i think what latent homophobia there is is uh is very subtle and is very beneath the surface so right i guess that is where like yeah if if i start to be a little bit more out it's difficult to know how that's going to be taken but then yeah i've had a couple of family members reach out and say this is great i love you like happy for you um in fact my gran uh she sent me an amazing message saying does this mean you're still monogamous with your girlfriend? And I was like, yes, yes, it does. Um, and she said, uh, does this have anything to do with you being cis? And I was like, no, uh, I just, I, and I love that she asked, um, that question. Uh, I explained what being cis means basically. Uh, and then she sent me back an article, um, about this, uh, guy back in the fifties who was doing pioneering, sort of gender affirmation surgery and she was like i cared for 
a lot of these patients after they came out of surgery and it was lovely to see how much better they felt about themselves and much just much more themselves they were so i was like oh my god like yeah i i've got i had no idea uh, that my gran had done that so so yeah it's it, i guess it's a double-edged sword i found out that a lot of people are really open and lovely about it but yeah other people you got kind of got to tread a bit more carefully haven't you have the music spaces you've occupied before you came out given you kind of um any expectations positive negative or not or neutral i'd say earlier on in my music career um i used to play in quite a lot of blues rock bands um and again uh, I, I i don't think that's a very um progressive sort of scene um I think attitudes towards uh, being gay and being queer. Um, again, I think we're on the surface, you know, accepting, but like definitely loads of sort of latent homophobia that isn't being addressed or being considered. Um, but then getting more into the heavy scene, um, I used to be in a hardcore band and all those guys, like I know, you know, if I was in this situation now, they'd be just as supportive. Like that was a very safe, welcoming space. And I think, um, you know, my experience of the underground hardcore scene, like has been very positive in that respect. I mean, yeah, I, we played with people slicer back in the day. So, so yeah, it is, it felt like there was good representation, uh, on the sorts of bills we were playing. So yeah, but at that point, I don't think I was you know considering myself queer really i didn't really know what i was so so yeah i didn't think about it i guess no but i uh, the reason i ask is that i at a point where i would certainly not have considered myself gay yet i just i was very confused um uh, when me being um kind of in various metal spaces did intimidate me slightly because it was you got to remember this was kind of the era of new metal um it 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 felt very much like a a space where it wasn't okay to be queer and that definitely kind of influenced my attitude to how how welcome i expect to find the scene and it's it's kind of it, it does interest me as to you know because for you it's a much more recent memory as to whether that you know those kind of experiences have particularly the hardcore scene because the hardcore scene is much more welcoming sometimes um yeah most of the time actually yeah most of the time just not universally um whether that's kind of made helped you feel more comfortable about yourself and and feel more comfortable about how you expect kind of people to treat you hmm yeah i'd i'd say so um and i think uh especially my experience of mountain caller um has been that the the circles we've been in and the people we've sort of found and connected with have just universally been just the best people um like almost to the point of disbelief where we've just gone like why do we keep attracting so many <laughs> lovely people and i think it is you know my experience of being in sort of posty stoner metal circles is yeah is that it is just full of really 
lovely people um you know i'd venture that it's because we all know that we're never going to make a living out of it so you have to be doing it out of passion like and just for sheer love of the music so uh, yeah i think those people tend to be really nice and welcoming yeah, it doesn't make you rich. It doesn't get you laid. You can't. You must be doing it for something just slightly more, <laughs> you know, altruistic. Or, or <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. Or um, what's the word? Not hedonistic. That's completely the wrong word. In fact, it's oh, almost me. literally the opposite. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit, I'm in danger of stumbling into half of a Grace Petrie song. Let's move on from that. <laughs> um, do you reckon then that um, you are? you would be kind of happy to be visibly out if there was kind of uh let's say circumstances changed slightly hmm. and you were it just for however that may manifest you were able to kind of i guess act in a way that, or at least present um yourself in a way that was obviously queer the, the thing that i you know i walk around with my partner and then it's it should be pretty obvious to anyone who's got eyes that we're not just we're not friends. He's not my housemate, um, and it's, I kind of can't hide that. But I'm kind of interested to know whether you are you feel that that would be something something you would be very confident to do with a you know an, another kind of very obvious marker of hi here's my queerness. Mm. I think that goes beyond uh being pansexual for me i'm i'm really i'm quite a timid dude in general uh so i really don't try and draw a lot of attention to myself um i did i mean i've i did have a period um a few years ago where i was dressing very flamboyantly uh I think that was more linked to uh expressing uh th I think that was linked to my ideas of masculinity uh and sort of breaking down um my more sort of traditional ideas that I'd been taught about how you should dress as a man and and how you should emote and express yourself um and so I, I think lately I've kind of gone back the other way. I've gone back towards like, okay, what can I find that is positive in the sort of traditional male um, uh, idea and um, construct? So, uh, and that, I don't know, I guess that doesn't overlap a whole lot with what people would look at and go, um, yeah, they're definitely queer. Um no, but if I think if a if a cis dude wears you know is visibly, you know, wearing makeup or um wearing you know slightly not effeminate but feminine clothes, that can very quickly be interpreted as a queer thing without without people kind of being too stereotypical. Like have you have you seen sex education, right? Yes, yeah. Right, so you know there's a, uh, a the scene where there's or there's an episode where what, the character who is definitely gay is wearing it, essentially a skirt. Right? Yeah. It would be very difficult to 
see that and read that as someone who is cisgendered and heterosexual, right? Yeah. And it wouldn't be, that's not the, you wouldn't be kind of making offensive stereotypical judgments. That'd be quite a reasonable conclusion. Mm. So that it is possible to kind of express yourself in a way that does make you noticed. And it's, it, it's as to whether people feel comfortable in metal doing that, that I'm, I still, I'm not entirely sure about yet. As much as I think metal's progressed, I think the uniform is so much a, an ingrained thing that I'm not sure how it would react to that. Yeah, there's, the uniform is, uh, is still very much a thing in terms of wearing black and stuff. I'm doing it. That's, yeah. It's my like, default. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Black's a great color. Um, got nothing against it. Um, I don't know. I it's it's hard for me to comment on um yeah, on how I'd feel in relation to the battle scene because I still don't think I've got that confidence in myself yet. I think I'm that's sure. something I'm still working on. Um, and yeah, it's it's you know it's even coming out the more we talk. Like how I think a lot of this is yeah is me still coming to terms with with who i am and and my sexuality and stuff um and so i guess that's a a journey i've still got to go on um kind of irrespective of what other you know how other people respond to it fair well if you if if uh, you do progress down the uh, the journey and um, realize actually tom can we talk about this because this is really kind of this has really bothered me or this has kind of really has been a really positive thing that I'd really like to shout about by all means um, get in touch because uh, this has been this has been interesting I hope this isn't kind of this hasn't been too traumatic um, but th thank you very much for uh, for chatting to us it's been very very interesting it's it's been good yeah um, yeah I mean I've been horribly nervous um, as I think you've been able to tell and I think yeah uh as we talk through this stuff it's um yeah i just find i i can see so many things that i'm still kind of yet to explore um but it's it's nice i mean if you know if if any of this is usable i'm very very happy for you to to put it out um because i you know i'd i like the idea that um you know someone is talking about their experiences at, at this stage I, I don't feel like because i do look at a lot of um uh discourse in kind of queer communities and it's a lot of people who seem quite comfortable with who they are um so yeah when the offer came to come on the show i did think oh, it'd be kind of cool to to talk about maybe still having quite a lot to figure out in in relation to it um and I think that's an important perspective to hear from because like most of the time, the people who want to talk to us are people who are like, yeah, I'm really confident in myself and I want to talk about it, which is brilliant, but not everyone's got there yet. In fact, there's, you know, there are always people who are still working out, you know, what they feel about this and who they really are because it's not, not all of it's easy. Yeah. Some, some people find it that way. A lot of people don't, you know, there are plenty of people who are still figuring themselves out in, you know, even years after they came out. So um, I'm I'm very grateful that you uh, felt that you could share that perspective. So thank you very much. 
that's okay yeah thanks for having me and i, I think it is um being pan uh i think is is another reason why it's um taken me so long to get there because i yeah when i've started having sort of feelings for for men as well as women uh yeah the the kind of options that you're given are well are you gay are you bi and neither of those felt right to me um so yeah kind of seeing people use the word pansexual and it being more about um i i don't think really kind of gender almost isn't a factor in terms of whether i love someone or feel attracted to them um and i think that's uh, yeah at the end of the day i think that's that's the point of um kind of confidence that i've come to um is knowing that that's who i am and that i am and that that is validly queer and that i have a place in in queer circles and i think that's an important thing to to highlight as well because most of the people who we talk to have something that is a slightly more traditional label there are exceptions but for most people it's gay bi trans or or non-binary and they're kind of those are, are fairly not common but they're, they're frequently enough things that labels that people use to identify themselves that it's kind of it, it sometimes overlooks that that's not the limit of the community that there are yeah. more kind of there are people who don't feel that those really apply to them but would you know are by any sane definition queer that i always love the 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 um the description joe lysett uses for his panness mm. um i love joe lysett generally but one thing oh, I, he's I, been great recently isn't he oh he's absolutely ever since crisis. you said he was trouble yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's been he, proving you right uh, yeah i'm not wrong um because no. one thing that he he said is that he he doesn't the reason he prefers pan to buy is that it's not based on gender because sometimes he'll just look at a thigh and go four and it kind of doesn't matter what the you know the gender or gender What's identity it? is of the person it's attached to it's just four that's a thigh <laughs> right that's so true yeah and it's it, which is something that for me as someone who's who's whose sexuality is so firmly in, in a binary that that's not something I kind of I tend to I, I uh, understand because the the masculinity of a of a thigh, for instance, would be an inherent part of what I found attractive. And yeah. it's whereas you know, if it was a, if it was quite a feminine thigh, that would be. You know, if you can hear a scrabbling sound, by the way, my dog is turned into a chaotic arsehole. Um I know. Um, what a dream! Yeah. Um, no, it's not a dream. He's awake. He's just <laughs> he's tired and doesn't realise it and wants to like be a dickhead. Um, yeah. He's at that very special age where a dog has one thing on its mind: carnage. Ah, uh, um, yes. Uh, and disobeying me, uh, not disobeying. He just ignores me. He's just at that stage where he's like, I don't need to listen to anything. I'm so chaotic. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've digressed. Uh, but anyway, for, for my experience of of that is is very gendered, hmm. and it's it's a kind of it's a 
an, imp a, a, an important thing for me to kind of step back and acknowledge that that's not everyone's experience, that some people, it, it's completely irrelevant. It's just a, God, that's hot. And, it, and the, you know, how much hair it's got or what the shape is exactly doesn't kind of really come into it. It's just, mm. yeah. and you know, the same goes with, and same thing with, with personalities that someone who's got a very appealing, charismatic personality can be hot irrespective of the gender for that's, some people. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, it's, um, the, the thing that people, uh, that a lot of people share about pansexuality is the Schitt's Creek, like wine clip have you seen that no i don't think i have i don't like I, that I, show so i i, I know you, you talked about Shit's creek on the show and i do want to say it they don't stay horrible the whole time they they get much nicer so if you can put yourself you know if if you're willing to oh is this one persist? of those times that people say well yeah but breaking bad was really boring for like two seasons but after series three and I go, yeah, I don't have time for that. Is not it... even that. It's 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 not like um, it's always sunny where they're just awful and they never change, and that's meant to be why it's funny. It it, right. it becomes like one of the most heartwarming, lovely shows that I've ever seen. And okay. there's How a scene quickly. where, um, bear in mind, my my I... objection to people being horrible and that being the source of humour is have low tolerance. It, it's it's yeah. not low tolerance. It's no tolerance. It's no it is, tolerance. It is absolutely like nails down a blackboard. It's yeah. I have to I have to turn it off. I have to get absolutely. away from it. That's fair enough. But the uh, there's a scene where one of the characters who, um, you know, he's very camp, uh, and I think up until that point we've it's not really clear whether he's gay, whether he's straight. Um, but he ends up uh, sleeping with one of the female characters. And the next day they're in like a wine shop or something. Um, and she says to him, like, oh, so you like, you like red wine? Like, and he's like, yeah. And she says, right, I only like red wine. And up until last night, I thought that you only liked red wine too and he said i do like red wine but i also like white wine uh i've been known to um sample the occasional rosé i bet he um, has <laughs> i've uh you know also been with white wines that used to be red wines and she's like okay so you're just really into all wines and he's like i like the wine not the label and yeah that's that's the um the first and only time where I can uh, remember seeing that, like, well, I, it's, a good the metaphor. Word, the word pansexual isn't even used, but yeah, I'm, I, I feel pretty certain that that's what they're going for, and it's it's lovely, and it's it it suits, and it feels really nice, and it's a great clip to show to people if they're like pansexual. What is that? And I can just show them that, and yeah, and they get it. So yeah. Oh, that's very nice. I have to say, uh, I've been known to sample the occasional rosé. Does sound very much like a euphemism. <laughs> it's just a, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't even know what for. But there's something about that that sounds really cute. Like that's that, there's some kind of dirty meaning to that that I can't, that I haven't heard before. But it sounds like <laughs> you know, it's it's like one of those phrases. There was a brilliant clip on QI once of Korean for phrases. The, of Korean idioms, like every yeah. language has them, 
but it, English is full of ones that are euphemisms. It's, it's yeah. something that a lot of Europeans don't get because their language, some European languages do not have as many like f- phrases that mean something filthy that just everyone knows after the age of like 12. Um, and, like, and, I mean, uh, I'm just uh, thinking of a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Like, I mean, even there, like you don't have to go far, do you? Yeah, no, there's a story I heard that sounds a lot like that that I heard when I worked in a pub full of Millwall fans, which I won't repeat because none of it's, none of it was acceptable when I heard it, <laughs> and none of it's acceptable now. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Anyway, I've digressed again. Kel surprise. Um, I can promise you, Max, most of this has been usable, and the one bit that isn't, is it going to be your request, I think, um, or, or your girlfriend's request? I'll leave the listeners to work out what the hell that might have been. <laughs> yeah. Just just dangle that in front of you and never tell anyone, because that bit yeah, of audio exactly. is getting deleted. Um, but thank, thank you again very much for being on to Help for Metal. This has been, a, a, I think, a very helpful and, and revealing conversation. Good. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me, and... Yeah, it's been lovely. It's been lovely talking to you. Well, thank you. We swagger like we own the fucking joint, because we do, uh, into the Hakery Gay Bar. This is where we come every week to top up the jukebox with new music we are not spout right now. And joining me to help me do this this week is an esteemed music journalist who writes for Krang, Stereoboard, and a big bunch of other highly reputable outlets, Emma Wilkes. Welcome to HBFM and to HGBs, Emma. Hey there, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh, you are welcome. Um, th- just before, so that people who uh, aren't unfamiliar with your work th- get to know what you're into, what kind of things are your big um, go-to stuff? St- kind of stylistic areas for new music. So what was the, your kind of big releases of 2021, for example? Oh, well, I mean, I'm a little bit all over the place when it comes to music. I'll cover pretty much anything. I mean, I've, it's been at the point where, I mean, just a couple of months ago, I did a Karanka with Black Bear, but then also a week before that, I've been the youngest person at the Godflesh gig at Arctangent. So I'll try a bit of everything but i think last year you're sorry youngest person at goldfish gig so that makes you under 40 <laughs> just a little bit i'm kidding i've been at a goldfish gig i'm under 40 it's just that's a that is a, a very heritage band now yeah and then i i saw my editor the following week at reading and um i was like I was like, well, that was an that was an experience. That was a that was a thing that I did. I was like, well, <laughs> but anyway, uh, as I was saying, released in twenty twenty one. It often tends to be. I kind of started out within sort of my own sort of journey and quote quote marks double quote marks as very much an emo person, a pop punk person, and then I sort of like learned more and more about metal as I've grown up. But the metal releases usually tend to be like at the top of my album of the year lists. I think last year, Every Time I Die was up there. Merle was up there. Sleep Token was up there. If you can even, you can kind of call the metal a little bit. But also then I had, God, I can't remember the list off the top of my head now. But I mean, if I look at my 2022 list, I've got stuff in my top 10 
like Rolo Tomasi and Zeal and Arda. Love those records. But then also Nova Twins and Static Dress. So. Interesting. I don't think either of me or Matt had those last two, but we certainly had um, Rolo Tomasi and Zeal and Arda in, in kind of full praise on HGGB's earlier this year. So they, they are already in the jukebox. Um, I think the other the other two might not quite be our clientele. I think they, not might, quite. they might have some objections if we put them on. Um, for anyone new here to know what the hell I'm talking about, uh, we don't know what we've picked uh, until we've started the record. Uh, so it's entirely possible we've got the same thing. I don't think we have, but it's possible. Uh, and we are not reviewing records because uh, there are other pods out there that do that if you want that. It's not us. Uh, we are simply saying why what we've picked is really good and we love it. Uh, and then talking about that. Uh, we can pick as many as we like, uh, but we do have a time limit. So the more we pick, the less time you get to talk about each one, uh, which means that I may have created a rod for my own back this week, but we'll get to that. Uh, Emma, what have you brought in for the jukebox? So I have brought in something that's a little bit it's it's left field, but it's kind of left field for me because it's from a genre that I'm not I've not gotten really, really deep into. It's not the the genre I'm most au fait with, but actually that's kind of half why I find it interesting and half why I think it's good to talk about. So the record I am bringing into the, the jukebox is uh, Celebrity Therapist um, by the Callous Dow Boys. And just for a bit of context, they are an American mathcore septet so there's seven of them you got somebody on violin you got somebody on saxophone you got all sorts of strange things going on um and looking over some interviews that uh, that they've done sort of in in the runner to the album it only came out at the beginning of september cast and pace basically describe their sound as two songs fighting um which is <laughs> yeah yeah i would agree with that it's one way to put it um I heard it and thought, well, it's kind of like my ADHD set to music because they'll start off doing sort of your standard math core. It's just sort of one of those sounds that's just sort of a bit erratic all over the place. Vocals like a barking dog. Time signature is yes. Um, but then it'll just switch into something else completely and it shouldn't work. Like those sounds should jar they shouldn't work next to each other and but they somehow i don't know what they do with it they make it work i don't know what it is at all but i mean there's something there's something about it even though it's it's not even necessarily a confusing record but it's one of these records that's it changes so swiftly and to, to something completely different you don't know where it's going to go next it's one of these things it's almost it's almost like i think the best way i can just describe it is if i mean i went to a lot of theme parks as a child and i think if you've been on like one of those roller coasters that sort of unexpectedly sort of stops and then jerks round it's like that but you kind of you go with it and you've, sus you've got to suspend your disbelief with it but you it's it's the sort of thing that almost kind of makes you laugh in a like a, in a in a nice way not this is this is ridiculous but it's awesome and I'm having fun with it and I'll just let them take me wherever. Um, but what also I find really interesting about this record and actually what I think is definitely sort of sets it apart is actually the melodic component of it. Because there'll be passages that 
are kind of chorusy but not quite or at least passages that you will use clean singing and even though it's not quite it's still and it's more and a more regular time signature and even though like it's still how do i describe it i mean even though it it's oh god i lost my train of thought now um that's fine do you mind if i ask a question because I, I heard I got recommended this a while back by loads of people. Everybody on Metal Twitter loves it. Except me, because I heard about a song and a half and went, it sounds like someone heard Dillinger Escape Plan and went, yeah, we can go wackier. And I never liked Dillinger and turning everything that I didn't like about Dillinger up to 11 did was always going to turn me off irrespective of how good the melodies were right it was the this moment they made that stylistic choice i was out so i'm really interested to know what it is that everyone's kind of feeling when they're listening to this and going this is great because it's so not me that i just have nothing to nothing sane to say i think it's probably a little bit different from the standpoint i come come from as i mentioned earlier i'm not exactly usually a math core or but actually one thing i will talk about is actually if you sort of dig deeper into it and even though even though obviously at a point it's math call the vocals going to be maybe a little bit incomprehensible but when you maybe if you like read the lyrics i find that an incredibly insightful thing to do especially if i'm reviewing a record to try and read the lyrics written down there's a lot of thematic complexity actually in what it's discussing even just a sort of a way away from the sound i think a lot of it is to do with it's actually to do with with cults, not necessarily in like a Scientology kind of sense, but as in it's kind of kind of what I'd crudely term everyday cults, like and how ordinary people end up subscribing to these sort of everyday cults, whether that be I think more specifically in America, things like things like Blue Lives Matter or right like anti-vaxxers. Scientology is not really in it. QAnon, I think, is uh, as well because I think I think Carson Pace has made reference to the fact he thinks he's had family members who he can't talk about these things with because their minds are in a con- completely different place altogether. And he's trying to come from it from a place of he's sort of trying to comprehend it, but also not completely like attack them because that just justifies his own point. But he kind of I've seen him admit as in like he is he is a front man, part of the cult of a front man if you will and there's just there's partly like a lot of depth here there but at the same time I suppose the other thing that actually kind of drew me to it and actually what made me made me come back to it is actually I can kind of I can kind of part of me kind of maybe wants to call it a math core record for people who don't like math core but then again you don't you're not into that sort of stuff so maybe it's not gonna convert everybody but I think what it does offer I think what it does offer is a bit more of a way in than maybe other bands, other bands of like a, maybe a similar sort of ilk might have. It is dense, of course. You do have to sit with it. You do have to invest time in it and do invest a bit of patience in it. But maybe there's a little bit less of that involved. Or it's, at least it's easier to see your way in and get into it. And I think that's kind of what the, the sort of melodic component allows because there's definitely a place for that dense heavy brain breaking music um and that is and that is fun and that is super interesting and i can be down with that but you have to at the same time be able 
to see a way in. Like I was thinking about this in contrast yeah, with a band like I, that's where I lose it because it's if you take a band like Ithaca, right, who use the the kind of the mathy thing just to make really sharp riffs rather than have complete chaos. Song structurally, it's it's way more accessible than something like this or you know Dillinger or even Pupil Slicer, which is more the kind of grind end of the math spectrum, right? They with them. I, it, the math thing doesn't bother me because I can just immediately get into it and understand what's going on. This I kind of listen to and go, there's so much carnage there going on that I just go, I, I, I can't, I can't. It's, it's just not for me. Uh, do you reckon then that this, if you can deal with that carnage, that there is enough like fun stuff there that you could kind of find a way in where perhaps someone like, um, trying to think of a good example. Can't off the top of my head. If, if you a kind of more kind of wall to wall math with none of the melodic stuff, band, this is more accessible than that would be. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I, that was kind of the point I was trying to make. I think that was exactly that's kind of exactly what I what I would I would agree with because I mean if you if you can't, I don't really. Some people can get on with this, and I kind of admire them for it. But if something, as you said, seems completely impenetrable that will that will that will lose interest to me and even though it's not quite it's not it's definitely not on the same genre wise but that's the exact way i feel about a band like imperial triumphant i've tried i cannot yeah, it's same. like all the doors are locked the key was thrown into the river 10 years ago i just it seems so dense and so impenetrable that i've just never been able I can't find a way to connect with it at all. And even after just one song, I was just thinking, oh, this has burned me out so much that there's no yeah, way. That band just feel like burnout. It's just kind of, it's just exhausting. There's no yeah, fun to it. Absolutely. And then, and then I was reviewing them at Arc Tangent and I had to hear it live. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it'll click live. Maybe, maybe I could try and appreciate it even at a distance and I tried and it didn't really help that it wasn't it wasn't as good a showing as it could have been like the sound really was not that great the the symbols almost sounded like broken china I didn't even uh. think that was possible and I was like what am I gonna do I've got to sit here and review this whole set Ugh. but I tried I couldn't but callous Dowboys, however once you suspend your disbelief, accept, okay, yep, this is going to be chaotic. This is going to go in a million different directions at once. Saying something pretty abstract, but also you can at least appreciate, even if you can't penetrate the messages from what you hear, you can at least sort of appreciate cast and pace, just playing with words, which is kind of fun as it is just... Sticking random words together. And it wasn't quite sticking random words together, but him basically just sort of making abstract, intelligent... Like avant-garde poetry. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. If you can at least, at least sort of appreciate it for that, I think it's something that... I think it's something that you can, you can get into actually with 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 a bit more with a bit more ease maybe than 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 something else maybe maybe it's going to end up leading me to to uh maybe i'll finally crack math core 
when so five years when you've got a Dillinger escape plan tattoo on that will we'll blame this. Yeah, absolutely. But also maybe I could get into it a little bit easier though, especially I think there's there's little bits here and there, especially there's a chunk in a brief article regarding time loops, which is a second chunk which feels very every time I die ish. And okay. I love me some every time I die. Yeah, you're not alone in that. <laughs> Radical was my album of the year last year. Fair. And I miss them greatly. And I think that also is quite a handy entry point too. Fair enough. Celebrity Therapist by Callus Dalboys has been added to the jukebox. Uh, I have not one, not two, but three albums for the jukebox this week. So I'm going to have to get a fucking wiggle on here. Um, <laughs> the first is the new album of Autopsy, which is far and away the easiest one to talk about. Uh, the album is called Morbidity Triumphant. You can probably guess by a band called Autopsy and the album being called Morbidity Triumphant where this is going. It's death metal. In fact, Autopsy are this like, legendary death metal band. They're one of the kind of the first death metal bands. Their debut album came out in the 80s. Um, they sp- probably the greatest West Coast death metal band, probably. Uh, certainly one of the... There are a lot of people... There was a whole wave of um, Swedish death metal that emerged kind of out of nowhere um, about 15 years ago, which... Ah, here's the here's a, uh, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, or Six Degrees of Shane Embryo, as it used to be in Terrorizer. Um, 15 years ago, there was a big wave of bands that came out of Sweden playing death metal, was clearly influenced by Autopsy, um, and the uh, kind of hallmark band for that scene, the one that kind of sprung a load of others, was a band called Repugnant. Which band did they become? Think mega big. Ghost. Tobias Forge was in Repugnant, was one of the principal songwriters of Repugnant. So he both launched a wave of Swedish death metal and then became one of the biggest heavy metal bands in the world, kind of on his own, which was impressive. Um, anyway, Autopsy split up for a long time, came back, did like four albums in four years, and then kind of didn't do anything else for seven years, give or take the odd like random EP. And I thought that was kind of them winding down to retirement. And and then this came out, and I went, God, I've missed this band. They're fucking great, and I I just love them. It's really fun. It's kind of doomy at times, and then really fast and aggressive at times. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds just that noise. Yeah, is kind of what you sum them up. Have you heard this one at all? I haven't actually, because I think what was I listening to? I think I was probably still paranoid, and it's very, very not metal of me. But I mean, range, I guess. I was probably still playing the new Paramore song on repeat. And also the new Slipknot. Fair enough. Um, if you like death metal, you will fucking love this. If you don't like death metal, this will not change your mind at all. If you haven't heard any death metal, don't start here. It's not the easiest way in. It's just, it, like, this is one for death metal fans. If you don't like, if you've tried Autopsy before and want and um, didn't like him, you're also not going to have your mind changed by this. It's an Autopsy record. I am having a bloody brilliant time with it because it's fucking great at being an autopsy record. I will say, though, that um, if you haven't heard any kind of doomy death metal but you like death metal, this is a very good place to start that because although there are some doomy stuff, it's not kind of real... It's not death doom where it's kind of 10 minutes long songs that are, make you feel like the world is ending. So, there. Um, and album I've got Morbidity Triumphant by Autopsy has been added to the jukebox. Uh, an album there's much more to talk about is Love, Death and Decay, the new album from Stake. 
as in that thing that Buffy slays with, uh, who used to be a band called Steak Number Eight, uh, when the steak was the word that's spelt like a big bit of cow flesh. Um, do you remember Steak Number Eight at all? Probably not, because you were in school when that happened. I'm very sorry, but I have only just left the womb, so I have seen people talk about it, though. Well, you say that, but when I got introduced to Steak Number Eight, so had they. In fact, they were a lot younger than you when I got introduced to them, because I got pitched um, them when I worked for Terrorizer as sounding like they should have they should be big hairy Americans, and uh, they were actually Belgian literal children. They were an incredibly precocious and obviously very talented stoner sludge band with very juvenile lyrics. Like the first song on I ever heard by them was called Dickhead and had this kind of refrain of banana, banana, banana. It was very, very kind of silly. Um, and they changed their name to Steak when they grew up, both musically and lyrically. And they're now an absolutely brilliant kind of post-metal band. But there's also what sounds like some deftones in there as well which you know it's different singer so i don't mind too much if it's in the context of all the other stuff there's a lot of psychedelia like you can tell they came out of the stoner sludge scene because they've definitely listened to some stuff rooted in the 1970s um and there's also the occasional kind of jazzy not mathy but just kind of like uh, uh off those kind of intricate rhythms um it's really atmospheric it's really emotional and powerful and i keep getting completely lost in it have you heard this one yet I haven't. I need to get on it, but you had me at post metal and you had me at Deftones, if I'm honest, because obviously I have, I have, I have large spot, soft spots for both of them, especially, especially Deftones. Anything in the vaguely sort of Deftonesy sort of vein, even stuff like I'm mildly obsessed with Loathe. I love the new Thornhill record that's come out. So okay, both this... Loathe is definitely a good reference point. Then I'm gonna love this. Then yeah, it's not, it's not the same. But there's there's some kind of that kind of emotional intensity is the similar is definitely common. Um, the, kudos for uh, having gone from having said they used to write very juvenile song titles. They've got some really good song titles on this one that I was really like I was really like yeah I'm I'm vibing with that because there's one song called Fuck My Anxiety and there's another one called Queen in the Dirt, uh, both of which describe my feelings at various points this summer. Um, it's also just like all the construction, all the bits that construct it are really good. Like it's really good riffs. It's really good atmospherics. It's really good kind of, it's well produced. It's really well produced. Uh, and the vocals are really good. They're kind of, they've got that kind of, I can go a bit breathy thing, but there's also a load more dynamic stuff to it. It's really varied. It's not like one thing. Like I don't want to like make you think it all sounds like Deftones because there are songs where you can't hear that at all. It's they're just way more. What's the word? I'm going to sound really wanky. They're really music literate. They sound it. Um, it. It just sounds like they've listened to a lot of music and they know a lot of different tools and techniques they can use to produce emotions. And when you press play, all you hear is, "Oh God, this is great." And then if you think about it, you realize, "Hang on, they've gone through about 14 different genres by track two. And that's, you know, if you don't notice it until you are looking for it, I always think that's really impressive because that means you care about the song more than you care about showing off, but you really know what you're talking about. Um, so if you like big emotional atmospheres, you might like this, which you do, I think. Yes, 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 I do. <laughs> okay, so I would, I think you might like this one then. Um, 
I hope you will too. Uh, Love, Death and Decay by Stake has been added to the jukebox. Uh, another one there is kind of more to say about than I expected, really. I stuck it on at first and thought, oh, okay, I know where this is. And then I thought about it and went, hang on a sec. Uh, it's uh, Pagan's Rising, the new album from a band called Hexed, who are Swedish. And if the moment you press play, you'll go, they're from Sweden. Because uh, it kind of initially sounds a little bit like melodic death metal with this kind of slightly prog- proggy rhythmic sense. But it's mostly just there to give it, like, groove and shit. It's not really... It, don't put it on and expect, you know, King Crimson or anything like that, because it ain't, and it's not trying to be. It's just trying to make sure the thing's got a sense of momentum. Um, on top, though, where you'd expect to hear nothing but death growls, there's this absolutely badass female singer who manages to do power, grit, hooks, and melodrama, usually all at the same time. And as someone who's a fan of all of those things, particularly the melodrama bit, um, I immediately went, well, this is a bit of me. Um, and it, just f- to make sure that it was it was even more Tom, um, <laughs> this big keyboards and choirs that kind of border on symphonic metal, but it's, it's, it's not really prominent enough to call it that. It's just layering and texturing rather than like being the key melodic element most of the time. It's so me. I half expected them to be immortal obsessives who watch too much rugby. It's so me. Um, has this come anywhere near your radar? I'm just assuming it hasn't because it barely came near mine until I stumbled over it. No, I don't think. I don't think it has. I do know things. I promise, but <laughs> this one, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think I've heard of the band actually. But no, neither had I. This was my first introduction to them. I feel better now. <laughs> yeah, and I that which is why they didn't really register on my radar that much. But I kind of I checked it out for due diligence because I saw a kind of a label that went that sounds like it might be me, um, and then I listened to it and went fucking hell, this is really fun, and it is it is fun, it is lighthearted, it's it's so OTT in places. There's one bit where the kind of, everything goes soft and drops away, and the thing goes now. Hey, run. And it's so breathy and OTT. I'm like, oh, oh my God, this is so thesp. I love it. It's absolutely just like throwing yourself into it. Like the, like the, your life depends on this performance. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's amateur dramatics fellow, basically. And I, it's, it's so much fun because of that. Um, uh, there's also this, uh, that's in a song called uh, Stigma Diaboli, by the way. Uh, there's also this really, really cool interplay because there is a harsh male singer who's sort of death metally, but there's also some melody in there as well. But it's all like it's all um, power, right? So, so don't think that this is going to sound like Nightwish because there's a female singer. Like if you've heard Floor Jansen in other bands, it sounds more like that than Nightwish. And there's this brilliant bit of interplay between the two singers in a song called Prophecy. It's just really fun. It's a really good, proper, straight-up metal record. It's just kind of, I want, some, I want to dress in black and put some cuffs on and a battle jacket and go off to a festival. Like, with um, somewhere where the uh, campsites are named after, like, Viking realms and things like that, right? That's, this kind of, that's the kind of feel you get for it. It's so Vacan. It's so, it's so Vacan metal. I feel like that enough of the time anyway. I want to, I mean, I don't own any battle jackets. I could own a battle jacket, but I mean, I certainly would, would not mind moseying off to a festival where the campsites uh, are all named after Vikings. I mean, it's only October. I'm deeply messing in festival season. If it is going to transport me right back then, then you know what? I will probably jump on it. 
Yeah, and it will all it will be it, imagine like if you imagine that there was such a thing as a festival where uh, it looks like it was winter, but the temperature was very comfortable to be in short sleeves in the sun in the evening, right? So actually, it's about twenty-one degrees, but it looks like it's snowing, right? That's what this sounds like. It, it that sounds mad, I know, but it looks like some kind of theme park. It feel, makes you feel like you're in some kind of winter themed theme park. It's great. Um, it's just fun. Um, anyway, Pagans Rising by Hexed has been added to the jukebox. And while we will have more new music for you next week, that is Time at the Hate Crew Gay Bar. And thank you very much for joining us, Emma. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been really, really fun. And that is all we have for this week's show. Thank you to Max. Thank you to Emma. And uh, we will hopefully have something for you. I'm hoping next week. I'm not going to promise anything because the last time I tried to do that, I fell on my ass. Um, I'm obviously going to explain at some point fairly soon in the future exactly what's going on because it's not fair to leave everyone in the dark about you know these vague descriptions of me being not very well and i i know i need to explain that but um not just yet give me some time lads um i will hope to be back with someone new talking about queerness and metal in a cool way you know what goes on but it it'll be fun and new and exciting um until next week hopefully or whenever we see you soon um listen to the calistow boys listen to steak listen to Autopsy, and listen to Hexed. And remember, hopefully, we will get better. Goodbye.